Welcome to the Craft of Writing podcast with me, your host, Sam Hall. Hello and welcome back. Uh, Today we have a really lovely guest. We've got Matthew Harvey. Um, I first discovered Matthew's music on Twitter in doing that thing kind of coming out of COVID, just spending all your time on Twitter, getting very anxious and kind of sometimes inspired. Um, But I saw um, one of Matthew's uh, pieces, it was Now now or Never, uh, and it really spoke to me. Uh, I absolutely just fell in love with the music and... And the kind of the story. So uh, I really wanted to, I, I knew when I wanted to start this podcast, I wanted to interview Matthew. So he's with me now. Hello. So, Matthew, um, tell us about your journey up to now. Well, um, sort of before, up until before the pandemic, I hadn't really, I'd never really written musical theatre. Um, you know, I've written pop songs and, you know, stuff with my guitar for as long as I can remember, but had never kind of taken the plunge and, and thought, oh, I'll write some some theatre. Um, but I'd, I'd been a performer, so I, I went to Arts Ed and graduated in 2014 and been in you know, a few shows and then kind of got a bit tired of the audition grind and, you know, um, went into sort of working on cruise ships and I, I sort of arranged my sheet music for that. I thought, oh, I really, I really do like putting music together. And then obviously COVID happened and we we're all suddenly stuck at home. So I, I wanted a project and um, I wanted to make a musical adaptation of my favourite rom-com, um, Serendipity, which is this gorgeous movie, and um, wrote a few songs and I sent them to um, my friend Freddie Tapner, who runs LMTO, and said, you know, could we hire the orchestra? And uh, a friend of mine, Manny, and I got together with this orchestra and recorded three songs over a few days. And it sort of really gave me that spark of like, oh my God, I love writing mm musicals because you you just have a much bigger kind of framework and you're not so like confined to keys or harmonic structure or anything that you are very much with them with pop songs so I I really kind of caught the bug through that and then um my friend Yuan who who runs the Van Theatre I I was chatting and he he said you know I'm interested in putting something on can you write anything you like for this this date and um now or never kind of came about from that but we thought we'd be out of the pandemic by the time it was on and obviously we weren't so we had to really quickly adapt and it it became this kind of nice digital project and then kind of since then I was like you know I I really don't miss performing at all I just want to be writing so um that kind of takes me up to up to now fantastic that's so interesting that um you know just birthed out of covid all of this amazing art has just come about it kind of the same story for me to be honest kind of covid was a great time to just sit at home and like just write yeah i think the yeah negativity aside i think a lot of people found that they suddenly had nothing but time and you know all those projects you're like you know if i had a week free you know maybe i would look into this but um we had a lot more than that so yeah (laughs) i think it was very transformative for a lot of people have you found that actually because of that there's a lot more writers out there and it could possibly be that there's now this kind of big backlog of work waiting to get on a stage because everyone spent so much time at home writing is it now going to be a bit more difficult what do you think I mean 
I obviously don't know what it was like beforehand, but I, I do know, you know, I took part in a lot of new writing, sort of digitally streamed things. And, you know, there were so many of us who had kind of gotten into it through um, through COVID and through lockdown. So, you know, in, in many ways, like I, I hope there is a lot of this new kind of exciting work that's come around from people who've kind of come into it a little later. But then, uh, yeah, selfishly, you kind of hope that there's not too much of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's probably something we probably shouldn't admit on this podcast, but because uh, we're supportive of all writing, of and all kinds of approaches and everything. Yeah. But you know, if you could produce our work first, yeah, just that would, yeah. be, that would be amazing. Everybody's got yesterday. So how do you approach harmony and using harmony in your work? Uh, And another question is kind of how do you write? Do you write the piano? Do you write a guitar? How does how does that all develop? Yeah, good, good question. I think it really varies. And I think, um, you know, most of now and never I wrote on the guitar just because I'm, you know, primarily a guitarist. my dog getting up and moving a chair um yeah I'm, I'm primarily a guitarist um but I you know I do play piano I by ear mostly and um and I'm self-taught in terms of, of theory mostly just messing around in Sibelius in in college and and stuff so um you know I, I'm a real sort of strong advocate in yeah anyone can write if you if you know what sounds good to you and and um but um yeah in terms of, of harmony I think I'm very much you know firmly in the pop music um approach and i think i'll I'll tend to kind of sit down and i'll I'll play around with chords and think all right what's a nice melody that will go over these um because i i also you know i I want my music to be really accessible to anyone you know even if they've never heard any musical theater before that they it's familiar enough to them to go oh yeah i could hum this this is this is cool um and then yeah and i guess in terms of like vocal harmonies and, and things like that you know i come from sort of a, a choral background growing up and I'm love you know the sound of like loads of people singing together at once which tends to be something you only get in in musical theatre as opposed to to pop so any opportunity I have for sort of getting loads of people together and singing these big kind of maybe maybe like big extended chords that you don't get in pop music then then I'll take it oh fantastic yeah something that does definitely come across in your work is it's it's got that they're just great songs and they're great pop songs kind of at their heart. Um, but you kind of layer on those kind of things that make musical theatre interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Whether it's those kind of extra harmonies or just slightly kind of different chords on the guitar or something. It's, it's, it's really nice to hear. I'll, um, I'll end up talking about my friend Freddie Tapner a lot today, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, Freddie is sort of, I mean, he, he, he's a musical supervisor. He does write a bit. You know, he works with orchestras. He he sort of just lives and breathes musical theatre songs. And I think because so much of what LMTO does is just playing these big musical theatre songs, he's so familiar with the kind of ingredients that make a memorable song and, and the, the projects I've worked on with him since. You know, he's just so firm in like, just give it a really memorable hook mm. that gets repeated enough times for a, an audience member to go like, oh, I know this one. You know, even if you you sort of pre-reveal what the chorus is going to be in the intro by the time it hits the chorus then the listener's going to go oh oh I recognize this you know so um 
I think fami- yeah, familiarity and um, ease of, of listening is always sort of high up on his, his list. Mm. Oh, actually, with that in mind, um, let's, let's actually talk about melody. How do you, yeah, how do you write your melodies? Do they just sort of spring out of thin air? Do you just kind of improvise singing? Um, how does it happen? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think usually, I mean, you know, there's no real like one set way that I'll mm. I'll write. It can sort of come around from a number of things, but maybe like seven or eight times out of ten, I'll get the the hook will just kind of pop into my head. Um, will usually also be the name of the song, um, and it almost always is you know the chorus or you know that will kind of come around. And I'll think, okay, great, and it tends to go that I'll write the chorus and then I'll write the first verse and then I'll hate writing the second verse <laughs> so much, uh, then really enjoy writing the bridge and then the, the last chorus. And, um, you know, I've had to try and break out of that s- style of, um, you know, that structure, I mean, and um, sort of try and embrace a, some more kind of traditional um, AABA structures and stuff from other, you know, musical theatre sort of times because I think it's very easy to be like oh no every song just needs a this kind of structure but um mm. yeah in terms of melody I mean my my voice memos thing on my phone is just chock full of you know me on the tube trying not to attract attention going <laughs> and like sing a really like a melody that's come into my head about oh yeah I'll make it I'll have a song out of this but I can't have anyone hear me singing on this tube and then I'll listen to it back and be like what the hell am I saying? I don't even know what the notes are there. <laughs> I am exactly the same. It's embarrassing if anyone, if I was to sort of die tomorrow and someone was to sort of look through my voice notes, it would be, I don't know if that's how I was remembered, it would be quite sad. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with hearing, I don't know if you've ever heard the the Hamilton demos. Um, I haven't. You know, because I'm such a, you know, when everyone goes, oh wow, that song is really great. I'm like, okay, but it's not just me. You know, there's, a musical supervisor there's there's uh, an arranger or an orchestrator and there's there's so many people that go go into it and i i think even you know having someone like freddie um like the finale of uh now and ever for example like i sent him a minute and a half version and i'd written this minute and a half song i thought yeah this is done and i sent him he was like this is great um make it five minutes longer and then send it back to me <laughs> yeah. and you know knowing sort of the the ingredients that that a song kind of needs to be um mm. but like yeah having having lots of people i think who can chime in that you you trust um but i love hearing songs that go you know the first version of a song and then hearing the finished product so like i've always said like everyone should be putting their voice memos on you know when they release a song and be like yeah. here's the voice memo i had you know on my way to work and it's horrible but you can see how it's come from this to, to this but the, the Hamilton ones are really really interesting because you you they're so different to the final song but they're they're still like bits of it and motifs and, and hooks that you go oh wow wow that became this mm. I have a, a similar thing with have you heard the original Hades Town concept album? I have I mean I, do you know what I prefer it yeah me too uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been like wedding song is just incredible yeah. um, and then but it's so interesting hearing how that develops over 10 years or something and then becomes that sort of final version that like, yes, that's the one. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I quite liked the previous one, but yeah. there's obviously so many reasons why they funnel it into those things and because it gets passed through so many so many hands and ears. And um, of course, you know, you might end up staging it and they go, oh, yeah. this is great. Well, we're going to put a scene in the middle of this song and, you know, mm. you'll get, you know, I, 
not so much now because I, I kind of think shows quite often are being sold based on their soundtrack. So then you mm. go and see them and you expect to see that song in its entirety. But, it, you know, looking back, stuff I went to see and be like, oh, I love that song. That it's like suddenly halfway through it, there's a monologue and <laughs> another scene change. And then, then it goes back into the song. You go, okay, okay, here's the rest of it. And that's something actually I always worry about when I'm writing is is upsetting because I always think, oh gosh, I need to write this song. It's got to be a hit. It's got to be, everyone wants to sing at auditions. And if you write a song that's kind of, you know, maybe more right for the story and you whack a huge scene in it, does that sort of detract from its kind of commercial appeal or is it still as valid? Um, I, I, mean, I never really know. <laughs> good question. I mean, again, it goes back to collaborators. You know, I think it's really, really tempting, especially when you're sort of, you know, at, at my level where I'm not, you know, I'm not batting away offers to work on <laughs> West End shows, but, you know, you feel like you kind of have to do everything. Mm. Um, I think like, oh, do I need to write some dialogue or something that goes in here? But my my friend, Sarah, who who's a director and I collaborate with a lot, she's always like, let me worry about that. Like, just write a really good song <laughs> and I promise not to ruin it and it will still make sense. And I think sometimes you get a really big payoff, like, you know, like define gravity when you get those little kind of snippets of scenes in there and it's sort of building anticipation then you get the big you know finish i think it can sort of help it in a way mm, that's a really good point maybe as as writers or as composers and lyricists we should just focus on the music part and and leave that well obviously we have to be aware of the dramaturgy of everything but we don't have to solve all the problems that's true although i'm sure it's very easy to then sit in the audience and be like they've butchered my song So, uh, moving on from the kind of music side, let's talk about lyric writing, something that I struggle with the most, um, but I'm trying to get better at. So, what's your approach? I oh, see. I, I love writing lyrics, and again, I, I do think it is the hardest part um, because there's kind of no mathematical sense in it. You know, you kind of know, like, okay, yeah, this is my verse, and it works, and here's my chorus, and there's probably another verse of some kind. But then, I think lyrics are the the hardest thing to write well and I think very easy to to write badly um things like scansion and and stresses and stuff like that is the number one thing that I just cannot get over and if I'm like oh I love this lyric it's so good but it doesn't it doesn't hit the ear right I just have to kill it because I can never kind of unhear it um so I think you know I talked a bit about you know easy to listen to and stuff and I think that like ear fatigue is a big deal especially in, in musical theatre you know if you have to be really really listening out for the words I think possibly there's too many of them or they're they're too hard to to hear so I think I, I often use idioms or phrases that people are familiar with so that you're you automatically are going to hear oh yeah you're great I know what that that is um and then you know I I, I tweeted a while ago because I, I wanted to get some sort of opinions on it but I love a half rhyme and I, I kind of mm. think, you know, the ear is, is king. And if, if it hits your ear as a rhyme, it doesn't matter, you know, whereas, um, you know, some of the other members of the musical theatre community are like, no, it's perfect rhymes or get The Tim Rice's of the world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, there, there are definitely, there, there is room 
And I think there is a time and place to be like, this must be a perfect rhyme because it's going to be really satisfying. But um, yeah, I love a vowel rhyme and I love an internal rhyme of something that just fits together really well. And it, I think as a singer, it just has to be easy to sing, you know? And if I'm like, oh, I can't quite get my lips around this. There's not enough time. It doesn't feel good. Then then I think that's always an indication of um, maybe the lyric is wrong. And I think, mm. uh, it, yeah, it's interesting. It has to work hand in hand. So I think quite, quite often, and again, this verse two thing, I'll write, you know, really lyrics. I'm really happy with the verse one and they scan beautifully. And then I think there is no combination of words that scans the <laughs> same way for verse two. So I'll be out walking or, or I'll go for a run and then I'll suddenly stop me like oh my god oh my god I've got it I have to turn around and go home and record this before I forget mm. it have you um have you ever done that thing where you're like lying in bed and you're like oh my god that's it that's the perfect lyric I've got it and then you fall asleep and then you wake up and it's just gone <laughs> well yeah and so now I always I always jot stuff down or just like I'll really annoy my wife because I'll just sort of sing into my phone while she's trying to sleep. Just be like, (laughs) she's like, what are you doing? Um, It's interesting going back to that sort of slant rhyme thing as well because I I think actually I replied to you on Twitter and I was talking about that's right again again um, the the Hades Town. It would seem I'm a bit obsessed, Um, but her book is so interesting and another kind of take on it is it, it just does seem more natural sometimes to use those imperfect rhymes because it just kind of creates a sort of softer like end to what you're trying to say which it just feels more natural and it... I think she she liked my tweet actually about oh nice slant rhymes I was like oh my god Love I've made that. it in... approval but no I agree with you like I, I was working on a thing this week and um I was, I was working with a lyricist and we we're sort of both writing some lyrics for it and I said, like, how, you know, how do you feel about rhymes? Do you do they, do they have to be perfect? Because I love a slant rhyme. He was like, oh, no, it, they have to be perfect. I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> and then to the end, at the end of the song, I managed to sneak in this sort of like, it's day one of many. So, you know, get ready. Like, I rhymed it with ready and he just didn't say anything. So I was like, well, he's not noticed that it doesn't really rhyme because I, it, you know, it hits the ear as a rhyme. I think if you notice it, but, the, you know, because I, I do think rhymes can be too noticeable sometimes and... Mm you can see what's coming a mile off, especially yes. I think in, in comedy and yeah. you've given away the punchline before you've even got there just because nothing rhymes with orange, you know, or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> but you, yeah. you know, it can only be one word. So you're just waiting for it. Everything is fine, finer than ever. Every sign is saying the same. Everything is fine. Never been better. Clear blue skies calling my name. Orchestration. Uh, how much do you like to have a say in what your song sounds like? Do you orchestrate yourself? Do you orchestrate as you go into Logic? Like, how do you work? Yeah, I'm in awe of, of orchestrators. And it's always been something where I've been like, oh, if I could do anything in the world, it would be, you know, being able to arrange full orchestral stuff. Um, I don't, do, do you orchestrate? I think I've, I've seen some stuff of yours that's really massive and orchestrated was that yeah. you or was that someone else yeah so I mean I studied kind of temp- contemporary classical music so at Royal College of Music so I was I was studying basically how to write for symphony orchestras and all kinds of ensembles um so I have those skills but I mean the, the skills I learned were more in kind of very experimental techniques right so making 
just very strange sounds to be honest but it does kind of it translates and i, I briefly worked as an orchestrator for angela weber oh which wow was, which was mad and that's a that's a whole other podcast in oh, that's itself incredible yeah well <laughs> i mean it was to that one it was a very short tenure of six months that was all he right. could uh take of me i think <laughs> um but anyway yeah uh so um yeah yeah, I, I was again, I was talking about this with Freddie and saying, you know, should I learn? Should I, you know, do some courses, get a mentor? And he was like, honestly, just don't don't bother because um, he's explained it to me like, you know, as a songwriter and a, a composer, you're thinking of music horizontally and you could pick up a guitar or, or sit down at the piano and you can play a song and it's going to re- it's going to work start to finish. And that's how you should be thinking about it on that plane, whereas orchestration, you start to think of it vertically and it's just a completely different way of thinking and someone who is an incredibly good orchestrator that's how they're going to approach music and and he sent me some examples of orchestrators he's worked with like here's something they've written here's a song they've written and you know it's orchestrated beautifully but just doesn't quite work as a as a narrative song so i i think again like you know why rob yourself of a collaborator and you're always going to be really nicely surprised um by what an orchestrator does so i think now if I'm recording a demo, I'm, I'm very lucky. My wife is a, is a really, really good singer and I play piano and guitar and, you know, have worked out how to make logic drums work for me by, you know, getting a groove I'm happy with and then Frankensteining it all together. So play some bass. And so I get a really decent kind of rhythm section demo. And then if there are counter melodies and things that I'm, I'm hearing that I really want, I'll just put them on a Ossia staff and be like, if you want this, here it is. Or if there's something I really want, I'll be like, please include this um, mm. before I pass everything off to an orchestration. That, and that seems to work nicely because you kind of get all the bits you want as well as leaving an orchestrator room to really run and, um, you know, kind of rewrite the song. I think you get another completely different um, take on it and you'll find stuff that wasn't there before and go oh that's that works really really nicely and it's it's really really exciting I think to hear um during during lockdown again sort of had had LMTO working on these songs and um Freddie sent me like a Sibelius you know note performer playback of of a song I'd written and I'd never even heard heard it you know heard any of my work on a bigger scale and I like I, I cried when I heard it. I was just <laughs> like oh my god you know, me sitting and plugging away on my guitar and it's suddenly this big kind of expansive thing. It, it's, um, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'll, I'll be delving much into, um, orchestration, but I'm, I'm obsessed with it. And I, and I really like that there's this kind of thing I can't explain or, or get into. It's nice to have a bit of, you know, mystery and excitement still. Mm. I totally hear you on the sort of crying at orchestra's front because I mean, the first time I wrote a piece for a symphony orchestra, it was, just the most overwhelming thing standing in front of that orchestra with you know got 70 people playing mm. something you wrote and it's it's just the most amazing thing ever um, i've got to um plug zitz musicals for yeah. anyone listening so um again it's sort of was birthed from lmto and they they get together once a month and and perform a musical from start to finish with a full orchestra of you know 50 or more and there's just no sound like it in the world. Um, a couple of weeks ago, they did a new writing um, day where they, they they got, I think, eight eight or ten songs from new composers and, and got a load of people together in one day and, and played them. And um, I was lucky enough to have one of my 
songs performed and I, I was actually at a friend's wedding when when it was being performed so I had oh, to like no. sneak I know and it doesn't do it justice does it I, I had to sneak away and like put my headphones on and listen to it and and even then I was like oh my god this is just the most incredible mm. sound but you know really nothing beats just kind of being hit in the face with that orchestral sound so yeah a part of me dies every time I see pit bands getting smaller and smaller and smaller well that's the thing isn't it it's such a rarity to ever be able to use those forces in a in a kind of commercial sector i mean yeah if unless you look over the the pond to new york where the the sweeney toll orchestra is is i think it's what is it 22 or 27 oh, or something that's amazing um which is just the dream let's skip town ending or not we've got a lot of unfinished business to finish up So we've heard what you kind of love about writing and musicals and new musicals. What don't you like? What frustrates you? If you hear maybe a new show and you think, oh, does it give you the ick? Like, <laughs> tell me. So I think, you know, I, I love hearing hearing new work and I'll, I'll always go and go to the sort of, you know, presenting new work nights and, and if, if I'll see most stuff on a, a fringe venues because I think it's it's really, really important to kind of keep up with where where everything is going and the, and the the sort of new writing world seems to be in such a different place than it was five years ago you know even before I started writing I was really interested in it um so I guess yeah there's there's a couple of things that don't sit well with me I think I think first and foremost it's like I think I hear a lot of people I guess kind of being inauthentic you know I, I think we all need to accept that none of us are going to be the next Sondheim like no no one will be so I think I hear these really, really complicated songs coming out and performers struggling to sing them and people are kind of struggling to listen to them. Like, what key is this in? What types and signature is this in? So I think I think if you sit down and go, oh, I'm going to write in 7-8, in this is going to be awesome. Like, it, it probably won't be. Whereas I think <laughs> if, you, if you're writing a song and then you kind of go, oh, wait, no, this is in 7-8, you know, narratively, this makes sense, then it, mm. then it will. So I think overcomplicating often does it um i think um you know i think treating commercial as as a dirty word <laughs> of like you know oh oh i can't possibly just you know write a a pop song in this musical because you know this is this is theater it's it's more highbrow i think i think my number one goal is for you know someone to walk out of a show I've written and someone say you know what what song did you enjoy they go oh this one and they can hum it and they can they know which one it was. I think if you if you don't remember it, I think you you've possibly failed. But again, that's just my my opinion. And then I think you know there's this ongoing discussion about riffing, and you know when is it <laughs> when is it appropriate to riff? You know, is, is it like how dare you say that someone shouldn't riff? It's it's their choice. And I think you know sometimes if you've taken so much care over you know should this be should this be a B or is it a C? Is it you know what note is this? And then someone just starts riffing. You're like oh well. Never mind. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think there's a, there's a place for it. And, you know, if it, if it's a really big, exciting bit of the song and it makes sense to, you know, really embellish and, and go nuts then like, yeah, go for it. But um, I, I think if it's just about showing that you can, it, it doesn't quite fit in the song, you know. Um, so that takes me out of it. And I guess it, that's not really about writing. I think it's more about um, re- rewriting. Maybe don't rewrite on, on the fly. 
unless it's, <laughs> unless it's right. But what, oh, what about, I'm interested to know what about you? What are your, uh, oh, what are your no, top things? Are, are you allowed to? Uh, am I allowed I'm to allowed, ask that? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I'm not just sort of impartial. It's not the BBC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I really agree with everything you've just said. Actually that you shouldn't write complicated music for the sake of being complicated. It should always serve the narrative if it right. needs to be kind of in that time signature or key signature, whatever. Um, for me, it's it, it always comes back to harmony. I, I get kind of the ick when I hear sort of oh, just those generic kind of chord sequences that we hear all the time. Yeah. But but even sometimes when, when you do use like those sort of simple chord sequences, it's absolutely, it's right for the moment, but it's... Um, but sometimes I just feel like people are getting a little bit lazy with their harmonic use and like they could definitely push themselves to do something just a little bit different just to catch the audience off guard or even start a song sort of simply but then take it to a slightly different place in the sure. middle section or just have that bridge that isn't like the obvious kind of now we're in the relative minor or something sure um, that's just that's just me that's because yeah, I'm, think, I, um, I just love harmony I'm really interested in in Pasek and Paul and their sort of journey mm. because like I love them, you know, way way back when they did Edges, which I like. They need to release. I can't yeah. believe that we haven't had that come out as like a amazing cast album yet. But um, yeah, good point. Um, you know, and that was you know proper like musical theatre, musical theatre, and it was it was catchy, but it was also not one four five on repeat. You know, whereas then you hear Dogfight, and again you're like, wow, this is really harmonically interesting. Um, and then they can also churn out churn out's the wrong word but like get greatest showman out which is just some of the catchiest music ever and i think they've kind of shown that they've got everything sort of in their toolkit so i sort of i was like oh no no i i i can enjoy greatest showman knowing that you can write hometown heroes ticker tape parade mm. and that's also an absolute banger um yeah so i i know what you mean and i, f- I feel like it, it's being what have you got in your toolkit if it's just four chords it's you know, just what can that. you do to push it you know i mean what a dream career they've had i mean and but also that there's as you say there's nothing we shouldn't treat commerciality as a dirty mm. word and like i i tend to write music that's a little bit like left of field well i, I say that it probably isn't but i like to think it is because i want to be cool and arty but sometimes like one of the best and most satisfying songs i wrote was a parody called um, I want my I want song which was like loads of <laughs> I want songs sort of mashed up right. and it's it's probably the most commercial thing I've ever written and I, I love it and I got um, Laura Tebbett to oh record God, it Laura, she's great oh, she's just incredible and with a voice like that you just can't help but go ah, that's just that's amazing like Goosebumps where yeah, it was normally maybe <laughs> who knows I think you know people should want to play your music outside of being sat in in the theatre and I think it, that's what gives it a longer life and there's a reason stuff like Les Mis and, and Wicked have, have really stood the test of time because they have those songs people are going to take to auditions or they're going to you know never admit to putting on in their car and belting out or in the shout you know so I, I think there seems to be a, a camp of like no like musical theatre can't be commercial it should just be these 20 people in the audience struggling to <laughs> work out what the song is but you know we're in, you know <laughs> um and that you know there is room for for everyone but I, I think um i think treating it like oh no that's that's too commercial is is a step in in the wrong direction like we we want people to see our work we want audiences to to want to come rather than being like oh god that was a bit heavy 
you know, I think we all dream of a world of 90 minute, really tight, good musicals that sound great. And then, you know, we can all go home. So when you finally finished your your first demo of a song, um, who do you play it to? Oh, that's a good good question. I um, I, I mean, my wife she'll usually be on it. Um, I finished something, something the other day, and it it's my first like paid bit of songwriting, and I was really really excited and like, wow, I, I've done it. Like I'm happy with it. And I, I sent it to my mum. I was like, mum, this is that project I was telling you about. Um, we just finished this demo. We just sent it off to the to the producer. And she replied being like, oh, no, no, darling. that's That one's not very good. Doesn't have a very good hook. Um, no. Yeah, sorry. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and my mum is notorious. I don't know why. Every time I'm like, right, don't play this to mum. Because I'll always be, you know, I got this this big orche- orchestral recording back of a song. And I was like, right, mum, sit down and listen to this. She's like, okay. As soon as I pressed play, she was up. She was like putting the kettle on, making no. a tea, you know. So um, oh, it usually ends up being my mum, even though it definitely shouldn't be. Right. Um, Is she a musician? No. Right. Not okay. at all. So I don't, again, but then I also think that if she thinks it's really good, then That's true. Yeah. I'm in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess Katie, usually Freddie, um, hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a massive culprit of uh, final V1. And then I send it to someone and they go, oh, what about this? I go, okay, yeah, final V2. Yeah. send it to someone else and Freddie will go like oh I'm not quite feeling that okay okay, okay. and then by the time I'm happy with it it's like final V12 this one for real yeah well <laughs> writing is rewriting as they say exactly yeah so um, and then I think you know I always feel like is this does this is this really cringy like I tend to just put my heavens on and just put put it on on repeat because I think once I've heard it like go for a walk and I've heard it 10 or 20 times then I'll, I'll really know if if it's good or if I've just decided like oh i'm happy with it i do exactly the same so yeah. there's no there's no shame in that i think it's it's like you're testing it out and yeah you kind of after a few goes you know ah oh, no that's that not doesn't that, work. that that lyric sucks or that needs to change yeah and i think if you're listening to something absent-mindedly and a bit is still popping out you know there's a there's a reason and and sometimes it's the most you know i don't know if you have any of those stories where either you've you think it's done and you go, oh God, the whole thing doesn't work. Or, you know, <laughs> and you have to suddenly completely unpick the whole thing. Or the, the worst thing that happens to me quite a lot is that I'll go, oh, Katie, I've, I've, I've written this. What do you think? It's my wife, by the way. Um, what do you think of this? And she go, oh, I think you've stolen that from someone Ooh. else. Like, yeah, I think that's a Frank Wildhorn song. I'll be like, no, surely not. And then I play it and go, no. Oh, no. I have to just completely scrap most of it. Right. Okay. Well, don't worry. I mean, has been doing that for years. Exactly. Oh, I've, definitely, I've definitely got to cut that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a very maybe I'll, maybe I'll be- video. I'll beep. I'll beep that maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Everyone will know who you're talking about. But yeah. Yeah. I watched a very good video that's sort of an in-depth um, study of, of of bits that have been lifted. But um. But also, you know, I don't. I don't think it's wrong to to be inspired by stuff and go like, right. Why does that work? Why is that so good? Um. Like again, like Legally Blonde is probably one of my favourite scores ever because I think banger for banger, you know, you could put maybe with the exception of Ireland, like you put 
any of those songs on in the car to be like, yeah, this is great. Let's have a sing. Um, so I think, you know, analyzing stuff and going, oh, right. This changes key three times in the verse, right? Okay. <laughs> could I, could I try that in a different way? Well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's been, it's been really great to talk to you and to meet you as well. Um, and, and lovely to chat all things new writing. Um, I've definitely kind of got a few things that are sort of now ticking away in my head. Uh, so hopefully you, the listener, have as well to go and sort of better our own writing. So thank you, Matthew. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs>